Thanks, Jeff. Bless Jeff. <laughs> Amen. Love him. Uh, you guys can be seated. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to do a couple of other things before we get into the scripture this morning. Everybody doing good? Turn around and smile at the neighbor and show them your tooth or your teeth. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to Grace Point. We're delighted to have you here today. My, we've been having wonderful, wonderful services, have we not? The Lord has really been uh, showing up, and uh, some of you may remember, today I'm going to teach, uh, we've had, we do, we had so much of this in the last, I would guess, uh, eight weeks or more, and, uh, uh, you know, just prophetic words that's been released to people. We've seen some amazing things, have we not, church? And, uh, and just seen uh, drug addicts that uh, delivered. Uh, set free, people suffering from depression of many, many years, instantly set free uh, by the power of God. Uh, just seen some awesome healings, have we not? Heard testimony last Sunday again of the precious little baby that was healed. And uh, just God's been doing amazing, amazing things. And uh, we're, we're just delighted uh, for that and excited about it. And we don't take it for granted, amen? Um. Some of you may remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I ministered to a couple right at the end of the service. I'd never seen them before. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, sometimes this stuff is kind of hard to explain. And uh, what we're talking about is the gift of prophecy. Today I want to teach on understanding prophetic ministry. Uh, the gift of prophecy is something that every believer can, can do, can participate in. And... Uh, in fact, that's what the Word of God says that Paul said to the church at Corinth, you may all prophesy. And prophecy is meant to give encouragement, to bring comfort, and to build up or edify, the King James says, uh, the person. How many knows you've heard me say many times, everybody, every one of us in here, who does not need to be built up, to be encouraged and to be comforted, especially if you're going through a difficult time in your life. And so I, I called this couple up and and ministered to them, and and uh, and I just asked them. This is uh, Ashley and and Michael, right? And that's a miracle there that that I can remember. And uh, <laughs> if you know me, you know what a miracle that is. I leave. Um, but would you? Get, I asked them last Sunday, uh, and I'll never put anybody on the spot, you know, without their permission. So I asked them just to come up. Uh, I think Ashley's going to do the quick talking here. Michael, you want to come up with her as well? Uh, these guys are from, uh, and I had no idea, didn't see them. I think you told me that was y'all's second time in the building. Or was it your first or second? Second. second time. And they were ministered to prophetically, and they had just moved to Valdosta from, is it Edgewater? Is it yes. Edgewater, Florida, down below Daytona, I think. So she's going to give a little testimony. Good morning, guys. How, how is everyone? Um, a couple Sunday, Sundays ago, Pastor called us up here, and he didn't know what we were walking through, what God had called us from. Um, he actually placed on our hearts to move to Georgia, and um, we were coming from Edgewater. We were very, you know, um, involved in the church we were going to, and I think I had the question. I had to ask God, I don't know how many times, God, is this for us? And Pastor didn't even know that. And... Through Pastor, God told me that this is where he wants us, that this is a right now word for us and to stay focused. It hasn't been easy, 
but we definitely are called we are following God's call to move here and I just that that was like everything to me to hear from pastor that we belong here Crawford, you want to get where there he is. But uh yeah, and, and of course I, I I'll use this and I'll talk about that, but when I when I called them out to minister to them, and like I said, sometimes this, you know, with the prophetic it's kinda hard to explain sometimes. It's 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 spiritual, right? But I you know, I just you know, felt an impression from the Lord to, to pray for them. And what I, I believe we said to them, what I said to them was that, you know, things had, you know, the distractions and things Front, back, side, everything had been closed off. What? Yeah. And and uh, and so what? What you know? What we were talking last Sunday, and what God did for these guys, and He loves us so much, and He loves He loves you, and He was you know, and they they were their second week in Valdosta, and the second Sunday here. And, and God just confirmed that it's okay. You're, you're right where you're supposed to be. And this move was, was, was ordered by the, ordained by the Lord. And, and God had put them uh, here, you know, to move up to Valdosta. And so, and I think you guys got, how, how many kids you said you told me you got? Is it nine total kids right here? Amen. That's, that's the kind of folks that a pastor wants to come to church. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's the way you build a church quick. Hallelujah. Uh, everybody knows one of our precious uh, elders, uh, Crawford Powell, and uh, he's going to come up and share a little bit about prophetic. So we're going to try to do a video clip, uh, audio clip. We couldn't get the video, so Howard, if you can get it. To... So Dale gave me a word September the 5th. Uh, for those of you who are here, we, we had a very long service, and uh, he called everybody up at the end of it. And then, uh, and then he turned to me and, and said, hey, buddy, I got, you know, had a dream about you last night. So uh, what I wanted to do was, was play that dream or play, the, play what he, he gave us and then go from there. Can you make it work, Howard? No, talk a little longer. <laughs> so <clears throat> technology is wonderful when it works. So... Um, I, what, what he talked about was the best is, you know, the, the, the greater is not behind me, the greater is still ahead of me. And I'd been going through a season, guys, I'll tell you the last four or five years where I just felt like I was dry. I was in the desert, you know. I was like, God, if it doesn't get any better than this, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. Um, professionally, business-wise, you know, every, everything else, it was just kind of hanging out there. And so... Uh, Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Everybody loves these dead times, don't they, Pastor?
left. Um, so anyway, I had been going through a dry time, and I had been for years, and, and you know, Becky and I had kind of talked about it and things, and So out of, out of that, everything I heard was, I saw you walking on the beach, and I'm thinking, hallelujah, I'm going to the beach. <laughs> so out of all that, that's what I heard was, hey, I'm finally going to the beach. It's going to work out great. So uh, that was September the 5th. Uh, middle, first of October, middle of October, I got a phone call from a guy and says, hey, I know a couple of job openings. I'm going to send them your name. I think you need to apply for them. So I said, all right, let me do a little research, and so I applied. And uh, I interviewed for one, and it didn't work out, and uh, I interviewed for another one. Um, and uh, we went through about six or eight weeks of uh, interviews, and so from that, uh, I have accepted a position down in Florida. So we are getting toward the beach. We are getting closer that way. But uh, I will be running a economic development recruiting organization uh, down in Clay County, which I'm excited about. I, I've actually already started. I've been there a couple of weeks now. 
Um, still coming back and forth on the weekends. Uh, Becky does not get through with school until the end of school, when late May or whatever. So we'll be relocating down that way uh, the first of the summer. But out of this prophetic word, which was encouraging, I was standing here and I, I mean, I was receiving and I was like, thank God, amen. You know, Lord, let it be. I mean, what else? What do you do, you know? And, and then I started getting a couple of phone calls. And uh, so I'm excited about it. Uh, I am in a position um, where people say, hey, what do you think? How can we do this? How can we do that? How do we connect these dots? So, uh, I mean, God just kind of laid it out for Pastor and what he saw it and what he was seeing. And, and, and so let me, be in, let me encourage you that um, I, heard, I heard a guy speaking on prophetic uh, a couple of months ago. And I thought the definition was really great. He says, when heaven leans over the edge and gives you a kiss. I thought that was a great way to put a prophetic word. So uh, be encouraged. Um, pastor's hearing from God. We're all hearing from God. So even in your own time, be encouraged about what God's doing. Amen. Amen. And God, God cares about what you're going through, man. That's the big, that's the big deal. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, if you've not, you know, have a paradigm for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, even though I'm uh, talking about things absolutely New Testament Bible, it can sound very strange to you. If you've been raised in a, a system that doesn't believe that God does anything much anymore instead of just get you ready for heaven and then you just hang in and wait for the rapture. And do the best you can and maybe a little life improvement kind of deal. But how many knows that's not what, what being a Christian, being born again is. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm, on, I'm not going there. I'm just making reference. Look at you guys. You're quick on the draw, drawing for those Bibles. I love that. But 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he names nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he actually starts out and says, brethren, to the church, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning these spiritual gifts. Now, there's a place in the Bible where the Bible itself tells you that I don't want my people, brethren, Christians, ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And then Paul goes on to name nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say gifts. You don't uh, achieve a gift, you receive a gift. It is something that the Holy Spirit, God does as, as he wills and the and he allows these gifts, these supernatural gifts, they have to be supernatural because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God, right? So they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one thing that has been such a blessing in my life, all of my life, uh, long before I got into the, into the ministry of preaching and whatever, is the gift of prophecy. It is so heartbreaking to be involved around a place or an atmosphere where that's not uh, part of the church culture. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, verses 19, 20, and 21 uh, it says don't quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. And that's a capital S there. That's talking about of course the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't, and then the next verse says do not despise prophecies because if you, you you will have an opportunity to despise prophecies because sometimes things as I mentioned a few weeks ago when when God had me years ago, and sometimes, a lot of the time, not all the time, but God will, you know, give me a dream, uh, what I would call a prophetic dream, and I love that. That's the easiest way for me. If God will just give me a dream and I can see, uh, see it and just declare to people what, uh, what I see. 
And I told you a few weeks ago me, uh, when I pastored at Cornerstone when we had a, a lady that uh, went through a, a horrific divorce. Uh, she was, a, I would call, a victim of divorce. And uh, she never had any children or anything. And she so wanted that marriage to work, but it just didn't. I'd counsel with them. It just didn't work. And, 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 uh, but the point is uh, it, she had not been long divorced from uh, her husband. She had fought to stay with the guy even though he didn't want to stay with her, but she just meant anyway but it ended and I told you I remember the day my wife came to me and said you know her divorce is final today and she's just you know she's a wreck and uh, my wife during that season of her life was talking with this lady every day and I you know and, I, and the statement I remember making to my wife I said it's, it's the worst and best day of her life ever uh, she thinks it's the worst day but it's actually going to be the best day because she's going to be able to go on turn the page and go on with her life and uh, just a few weeks after that, uh, one Saturday night, I had a, a dream in the night. I knew it was from the Lord. And I, God showed me in the dream, uh, her, you know, that the dream of this lady's heart, this lady that had just went through this horrific divorce, uh, the dream of her heart was to have a little girl. And, uh, and I saw the little girl born in, the, in my dream, and I saw uh, her uh, on up as like a toddler, a little older, I saw her, uh, this lady dressing her in real frilly dresses and caring for her and just so proud and so beaming. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm kind of preachers dumb enough to call her out on Sunday morning and prophesy that to her because I knew God told me to. Now, you got to think about that. I'm prophesying to a woman that don't even have a boyfriend about a baby girl in front of God and everybody. And it was recorded, so I can't deny it. <clears throat> and then she was given the tape or CD. And, uh, and, of course, as you know, I, I told you the story how uh, time went along, of course. And how many knows that when God is prophesying, uh, you know, he's talking about the future, those, those things. It's the heart of God for you. And uh, God doesn't give you, you know, and I'll talk about that in a minute, details about every little thing that's going to happen in your life. And so I uh, ministered the word to her. Time goes along, you know, real fast, long story, very short. She met a guy. Actually, in our church, um, I married them, uh, and then she got pregnant. She was approaching, I think, maybe 40 or, or, you know, the doctors were a little concerned about maybe, you know, her health. You know, he said, if you're going to have a baby, you need to get, get with it, you know, kind of a deal. And, uh, and she got pregnant, carried the baby for a few months, and was not able to carry it any further, had a miscarriage. Of course, that broke their heart. And they're thinking, like, well, that, you know, we got a prophecy <laughs> that we're going to have a, have a daughter. You know, and uh, this is when you can kind of despise prophesying. This is when I would just want to be the, the the nice pastor that gives three points and a poem on how to get saved and go eat chicken, you know, kind of deal. You don't have to fool with all this. And then so, she, you know, time goes along, months and months. She gets pregnant a second time. She carries the baby, you know, several months, two months past the first time, miscarriage, loses the baby. They come to my office. They want a meeting with me. And they're crying, husband and wife, and they're saying, Pastor, we don't understand what's going on. I thought God promised us a baby. And I have no answers to give them. This is when you despise prophesying, if you, if you allow yourself to. And all I could say to that couple was, and this is very real, they're going through a very difficult time, and they had a, they had a CD in their hand of me prophesying that she would have a daughter. Okay? <laughs> and uh, I said, all I know is what I saw. And what the Lord's promise is to you. And I, I said, if you relinquish not the hope that is within you, 
the day comes that you will hold your daughter. And they left my office. They didn't leave skipping. They still left crying, not understanding what they were going through. Now, let me say this to you in case you don't know this. God wasn't taking their babies from them. God gives life. He don't take it. The Bible's real clear on that. St. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but steal, kill, destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So don't ever get confused. I preach a message every now and then called God good, devil bad. Make sure you don't get those wires crossed, okay? God don't give you cancer. God don't break people's legs and put them in the hospital. God didn't send Katrina to New Orleans. God didn't flood Houston. God is not uh, the Godfather. He is Father God. He don't break legs. He don't, he don't do that kind of stuff, although there's a lot of the church that accuses him of that. But he doesn't do it. It's not who he is at all. And uh, so um, time goes along. Third pregnancy. Long story, very short. She gave birth to a little girl. Isn't that amazing? I told you I remember my wife came and said, she had her ultrasound and it's a girl. I said, of course it is. That's what I prophesied. Hallelujah. And I was like, Phew, thank God. And I actually had some people in my church said, Pastor, what would you have done if it was a boy? I said, I know that, well, she's going to have, there's a girl coming. All I can tell you, this is, you know, it's one coming. But she had a little girl and named her Mary Alice. And... Um, it wasn't too long after she was born that we left the church and come here to, to be with you guys. But she is how old today? Jillo, help me with that. 15? 15 years old? She is all over Facebook. She has been in national beauty pageants. She is in every pageant in the world and has won many titles. And she is just, and I always, you know, uh, have communicated to her parents. I said, I saw her before y'all did. I saw her before you did. And she has been dressed in frilly dresses, and that's been her life. And she is a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And, of course, she knows that about her life and the prophecy that she got. And, and even her parents are so thankful. They said that God used that gift. It's not me. I can't have, what can I do? Uh, but that gift, as we yield to the Holy Spirit for the gifts of the Spirit to operate, that's just the heart of God for his people. And he loves uh, people. And, and, uh, but there are limitations. And there's been so much of prophecy here uh, lately. You, you saw just some weeks ago where there was a, a lady that I called out that was sitting right on this side. And she come forward. And I, and I ministered to this lady. And I, and I, I said, God said to tell you and, you, and you all heard that. But I said, God said that, you know, your past is over and not to worry about your past. And, uh, and, and then I said, and your addiction is broken. How I many remembers that Sunday? Raise your hand if, just a few Sundays ago. I said, your addiction is broken. And then I said, you're a mom. And she said, yes, I am. I said, how many children do you have? She said, I have two. I said, God uh, is going to work that out with your children and the relationship with your children is God's going to handle that. Don't worry about that. How I many knows that's what was prophesied to a woman? I had never seen the woman before. That was her first uh, or Sunday or second Sunday here. You remember what she said? Oh, yeah, I think it was her second, wasn't it? So she, because I asked her, I said, you know, have you been here before? She said, it's my second time ever being here. And um, remember, I even jokingly said, well, there'll be a third time, you know, and she kind of left. And so then you, you got to hear her the very next Sunday um, as Ashley come up and, and you got to hear her say to you or, or me say the story. She sat there. She gave me permission. And so here is a lady that was addicted 
to methamphetamines, had been in prison for several years. That's her past. Her addiction was methamphetamine, and she'd been going through so much. She said she had just, you know, unfortunately, she had turned back to that again because of the pressure of life. And then a family member was trying to take custody of her children from her. That's pretty specific, guys. And that happened just a few weeks ago right here in this house. It doesn't make me great. I'm saying that to say God is real. God's gifts are real. God loves you. God cares about what you're going through. And all he's wanting to do is use the gifts to convey his heart and for you to build faith in him. That it don't matter what the enemy's tried to do in your life, that God wants you. And God's going to always use prophecy to speak to your potential. And so, in, in, uh, and so you need to know what prophecy is and, and, and what it's not. First, what it is, is absolutely biblical. It's in the Bible over and over in the New Testament. It is not something that God doesn't do anymore. It's something that a lot of churches don't fool with. Somebody said, well, I'm, you know, prophecy can be dangerous. You're absolutely right. Uh, because the enemy, you know, he don't want that operating in your life. And it doesn't have to be inside of a church building per se, but the gifts operate in the lives of believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, if you can turn with me, they'll put it on the screen as well. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, and I'll just read the first five verses. It says, Paul said, pursue love. I mean, no, that's a good thing. And then he says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. Uh, you got to desire this. Have, you know, if you desire something, won't you pray about it? How many times have you asked God to allow the gifts to operate in your life? That's not a condemning thing. It's just, hey, what do you think? I mean, if you desire it, desire it, as Paul said. Then he goes in verse 2, for he who speaks in tongue in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. And no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now Paul's not, Paul's doing a comparison here. He's not saying, obviously, that you don't do the tongues thing. He's just saying, you know, when a person's talking in tongues, that's something more private. They're doing that to God. Uh, and, and, and they don't understand what's being said. But in verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification. That means to be built up. And exhortation means to encourage. So he, he speaks encouragement and building up and comfort to men. Those are the three things you can underline. That's what prophecy does. So if your prophecy to somebody don't build them up, don't encourage them or comfort them, pardon me here, I want to be real plain so you remember this part, keep your mouth shut. Don't come telling me that I saw, I, I had a dream, I saw you in the casket holding a lily. I'm not sure what it means. I don't want it, that don't build me up, that don't encourage me, that don't comfort me. So don't do that to people. That's not what Bible prophecy is. New Testament Bible prophecy. You're not an Old Testament prophet, your name's not Jeremiah, you're not Ezekiel, you're, you, you, it's a whole different deal. Prophecy in the New Testament, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when God speaks, it's going to encourage people, it's going to comfort people, it's going to build them up. I had a guy here, you know, some years, I just, I just want to use this example. I had a preacher come, guy wanted me to meet him, I met him at Golden Corral, no, or, or, or a, a restaurant somewhere, and he, you know, he introduced me to the guy, and the guy, you know, is a great guy, loves God and all that kind of deal, but, I, but he's just dangerous. Now, you can, have, you can prophesy to people and you can be a prophet. The Bible talks about Ephesians 4 that there are ascension gifts. We call them because when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men. Namely, that some be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, there's a large section of church who don't believe that there's anything but pastors 
and they think teachers is the Sunday school wing. And that's pretty much an evangelist is a guy that comes in the spring and the fall with a fancy hairdo and shiny shoes and preaches on hell and tries to get you saved or to get you to rededicate your life. But if you don't have, if there's not apostles and prophets today, then there's not pastors and teachers today. There's not evangelists today. You can't smorgasbord it. You can't pick and choose what you accept or what your denomination or your belief system accepts. And so there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that's a whole, whole other message in itself. We call that the five-fold, five-ministry. Uh, but but uh, this guy was ministering here in this church, and he was in the middle of his preaching, and he said that he was somewhere preaching, and he saw a guy out there, and the Lord revealed to him that the guy was living in adultery or, or whatever, and, and he called him out publicly and, and said that to this guy and rebuked him before the congregation. And uh, he told that, and you know, a lot of people that was here that night kind of giggled at that. And I'm sitting on my front row here, and it broke my heart because I know that ain't God. I mean, he, he made it like a you know, good story. And then he turned around, and right after that, he followed it and said he was in another city at another time, and he saw the guy again, and the guy was still in, in uh, adultery, and he called him out a second time and rebuked him again. And he laughed and like he had done a great service. I knew then, that's, this guy will never preach again at Grace Point. He's done. Doesn't mean I hate the guy. It doesn't mean I don't think he's a believer. It doesn't mean I don't think he's gifted and, 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 and has prophetic gifting. He just don't know how to use it. And I love you too much as a shepherd to turn somebody like that loose on you. Can you imagine if God started using people to call out all of your secret sins? It'd be a busy, it'd be a long service. Oh, notice the nervousness that uh, comes into the building. See, God doesn't do that. God, God, God never uses shame, guilt, or condemnation. You can just forget it. That's the work of the enemy. God never does that. It's the love of God that leads men to repent, to change their mind about God. That's what repent means, think differently. So the Bible says the goodness of God is what leads men to repent. You didn't have to holler at that guy if he was living in adultery. He already knows he's living in adultery. He don't need to be prophesied that. He knows he's doing adultery. You know, you think God, you think God don't know it? All people that didn't know it, and there was them people. And they didn't need to know it. Wasn't none of their business. <laughs> that didn't make the guy a good prophet. It made him a dangerous person that I can't trust to my sheep again. Um. Uh, but the Bible says, but he who prophesies, verse 3, speaks edification, builds you up, exhortation, encourage you, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but he who prophesies builds up the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. That's just for the people who want to throw that out. He said, Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless... He interprets it so that the church may receive edification. You know, the Bible talks about if somebody speaking in tongues, if you don't have an interpretation of it, not a translation, it's an interpretation. If you don't understand what's being said, you, you, you don't have any means of, actually Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said if somebody you know, speaks in tongues and somebody comes in and hears it, they'll think you're mad. They, you know, mad means nutty. 
They, they won't understand what's being said. Um, he says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 39 and 40, look at what he says. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Here again, Paul says desire this now. As a New Testament believer, he said you should desire this, especially that you'd prophesy. And he, look what he says. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now, I'm just telling you, if you're affiliated with any kind of a deal that forbids people to speak with tongues, then that's not New Testament. I thought my mic died there right at the end of that. I I'm just saying, now you can say we don't forbid it, we just don't allow it. Same difference. We don't forbid you from speeding, we just don't allow it. <laughs> I mean, same thing. And then he says in verse 40, let all things be done decently in order because there has to be order in the house of the Lord. Um, we record prophetic words. Why? Because a lot of times people will go out of here saying what I didn't say because they hear just because I, you know, I say one thing, you can hear something different. But wh why is that possible? That happens with normal conversation. Because uh, me saying has to go through your grid for you to hear. And a lot of times in my office, I'm counseling people sometimes. I may say after I make a statement or two, I may say, now what did you hear me say in that? I've learned to do that. What did you hear me say? And I want them to tell me what I said. And then I go, no, that's not what I said. Because they'll go out saying what you said and you didn't say that. Now, there's boundaries with prophetic and you need to understand that. And you need to learn to, you know, not allow these things to be stumbling blocks. But, but prophecy, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says there's a word, the word of prophecy. It's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the gift of prophecy. All those are really like, they're just words. They're not not paragraphs, if you will. They're, it's not complete. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in what? Part. It's fragmented. So, you know, like when I was ministering to this couple right here from Ed, you know, Ashley and Michael, I, I, had, I didn't know what any of that that I was saying to them meant. But I know that that's just a part. They, they've got the puzzle. They, they, I remember one time I had a, 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 a people came to me when I was pastoring at Cornerstone. I never saw these people before. They came in on a Sunday morning. That toward the end of the service, I felt just extremely impressed by God that I should call this couple, very similar to these guys, I should call them up and pray for them. And th this may sound weird to you. I just, this is how the story goes. When they walked up in front of me and stood before me, all I can tell you, and I don't know if it's in the natural, in the spirit, I, I can't explain it, but you know how when you open the car door of a brand new automobile and you sit in it, that smell? That's exactly what I smelled. Now, if you were young in the prophetic, you know what you would have done? You would have prophesied a new car to those people. Ah, the Lord's going to give you a new automobile. And it doesn't make me great, but I've learned to ask Papa what it is. What does that mean? I smelled a new car smell. And in my heart, I just said, Father, what is it? What does this mean? He said, they're going on a new trip, on a new journey, into a new place, and tell them it's my will, fear not. And that's all I said. Boy, I said those words, and that wife just burst open, but started crying. And the husband reacted, and I went on and prayed for other people. After the service, they came to me. They said, we heard your, that your church moves in the prophetic that you do. And we came here today and hoping the Lord would speak to us. And he sure did. They said, my, the wife said, my husband just took a job in Alabama and we're moving and we're so nervous about the move. But today we're not nervous anymore. We know the Lord is sending us to a new place and to a new uh, a city, a new place. And, it, and it, you know what it did? It encouraged them and it comforted them. 
That's what prophecy does. And I love that. I saw them one time, one time in, prophesied, they left. You know, but the, but the Lord met their fate. They, they got what they came for. And, um, and so, so, you know, uh, God does that sometimes. And, um, but just know that it's just part of, it's, you know, it's not going to be the details. It's not all inclusive. People get nervous if they get prophetic ministry and you don't speak about everything going on in their life. Uh, I've prayed for somebody one time before, you know, I had never seen before and I was praying for them, prophesying to them. And they were in, they, wherever they were from, they were in children's ministry. I didn't mention anything about that. And I remember after service, the lady was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in children's ministry. God didn't say anything about that. And I said, well, don't you know you're in children's ministry? I mean, you already know that. Why would that? Why would you need to be told you're you're in children's ministry because you're already in children's ministry? Well, I just thought the Lord see you thought. Well, maybe that means I'm not supposed to be in children's ministry. Now you're gone to thinking. Now we're in dangerous land. Don't you see? You're adding to it. Don't do that. Don't do that with prophecy. Uh, prophecy doesn't speak about the details. It talks about the outcome, the final outcome. Imagine God, if he prophesied through the prophetic dreams that he gave Joseph in the Bible. He starts getting these dreams when he's a 17-year-old kid. Great dreams he's having, but God never spoke to Joseph about the details that he would go through until that came to pass. It would actually be 13 years later before those dreams come to fulfillment in Joseph's life. And imagine if God had mentioned to Joseph, well, let me give you a few details. Now, what's going to happen after this great prophetic dream I've given you? Your parents are going to turn their back on you. Your brothers are going to hate you. And they're going to hate you so much that they're going to throw you into a pit. They're going to take your coat of many colors and put goat blood on it. And they're going to lie to your dad and tell him that you got killed. And besides that, you're going to go to, uh, to be a slave in a dude's house named Potiphar. And then his wife is going to try to lay with you. And then you're going to resist. And she's going to accuse you of trying to rape her. And then he's going to throw you in prison for that. You're going to be in prison two years. And then I'm going to still give you more prophetic dreams. And I'm going to use the gifts that's in you to interpret dreams from a butler and a, and a baker. And, 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 and I'm going to give Pharaoh a dream that he don't understand. And they're going to remember how you interpreted that dream correctly. And they're going to call you out of the prison. And you're going to, interpret the, you're going to use the gift I got in you to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And in one moment, you're going to go from the prison to the palace. And you're going to become vice president of Egypt. And then all of your, your prophecy that you got when you're 17, now you're 30 years old, is going to come to pass. Imagine getting all the details of that up front. Joseph will be good. Nice. I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> Move on to the next guy. I don't want to go through that to get that. All God told him was, you're going to be great. The sun, moon, and stars are going to bow down to you. Your parents are going to bow down to you. Your family's going to, and he saw all that authority, but he didn't know what he's going to go through to get that. Okay? Um, it's not a, it, sometimes when a prophecy is not a validation of the person's character. you got to understand it. God's not prophesying about your character. He's prophesying uh, about your destiny, your potential. Uh, Imagine Gideon. So here's Gideon, scared to death, hiding from uh, the enemy, and in, in threshing out uh, grain in a wine press in the Old Testament book of Judges. And, and he's afraid for his life. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon's like, who's he talking to, man? I know he ain't talking to me because I'm, I'm, see, God always speaks to your potential. 
So, but imagine people in the, in the service that knew Gideon was doing that, and he gets that prophetic word. You're a mighty man of valor. And they're going, that guy's not a mighty man. That prophet missed that big time. Or imagine somebody prophesying to Peter like Jesus did. Thou art the rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. Imagine you know Peter. He's a suntan, leather-skinned, cussing fisherman. Rough as they come. Cut your head off with a sword in a heartbeat. Violent man. Imagine being in service, knowing this guy. You done hung out and drank beer with this dude, and all of a sudden a guy calls him out in church and prophesies, Thou art Petros, the rock of which God will build his church. You'll go, Man, that guy missed that today, boy, big time. Why? God's not addressing your behavior. God's speaking to your potential. Amen? That's why you, you notice that God mainly uses me prophetically to speak to people I've never seen. Because then the gift is unhindered by my natural knowledge of you. The hardest people for me to prophesy to is people that I know. And like Crawford, I have to have a dream or something like that. A dream that I had some months prior to that many months prior to that, and I just remind you both that it's still going to come to pass. And I saw them, uh, God handed them a magazine. It was called Better Homes and Gardens. And God told me to tell them that they're going to have a better home and a garden, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and, I, and I saw their home at Christmas time decorated, and I saw the mantelpiece decorated with Christmas decorations, and me and Jill went there. I'm waiting on my invitation. Could be this Christmas. <laughs> now, see, when Crawford called me and told me that what had happened, you know, trans transpired after the prophecy, and I've known this for many, many weeks, several months, in fact, and uh, this is when you despise prophesying because I love this couple, man. He's one of our leaders. He's one of our uh, elders. He's a uh, prophet himself. I, I mean, this is when I despise prophesying. I said, well, I'll take that prophecy back. <laughs> I negate it. <laughs> I don't want them to leave. I'm like, man, if I knew I was prophesying that, I'd have kept quiet that Sunday. But no, God's got plans. And here's a guy that says out of his own mouth, you know, I've been going through a tough time, dry time, financially, business-wise, and every otherwise. And yet God told him the best is still ahead, and people needed him. They needed what's in him. They needed to give. And now he's going to Clay County, and God's going to already use him. He's already on the job down there, and God's just doing great and awesome things. And he's not that far away, so I command you to come back at least once a month. <laughs> but, man, it breaks my heart. You know, I try not to think about it. The Sunday that we pray I'm out, I'm going to be out that Sunday anyways. So, Ron, I want you to handle it, okay? You, you got it. All right? But see, God's able to overlook your humanity and speak to your destiny. Um, what if Jacob, you know, his name means wheel, uh, swindler, heel grabber, deceiver. What if, what if you was in the service when the prophet ministered to Jacob and said, you're, you're, God's going to use you mightily and you're going to be, God's going to name a whole nation after you, Israel. You're going to, <laughs> it'd be like, man, that guy missed that big time. I tell you, one even tougher than that. What if somebody called out Abraham and Sarah, these old people, and said, you're going to have a baby? I said, man, he missed that, didn't he, big time. Uh, another thing about prophecy is it's not necessarily about the present facts. I have prayed for people that had cancer, and I didn't even know it, and God never showed it to me. That, what does that mean? It, you, don't, you don't need to worry about cancer. You already know you got it. God's got it handled. Just trust him. Um, I had a person one time, I remember, I prayed for 
they so wanted me to prophesy to them about that they had just lost their job. They wanted assurance that they were, you know, God knew they had just lost their job and going to get a job. And I didn't, God didn't show it to me. I can't say what I don't see. And he didn't show it to me. And after I said, why didn't God show you? I just lost my job. I don't mean to be smart. But you, uh, all I said was, uh, I said, what that means to me is God's already got another job for you. You just don't know it yet. Just trust him. Uh, Prophecy is not a guarantee. Prophecy is conditional on what you do with it. And that's absolutely about Some people think that what God says, God, no, it's of what you do with it. You understand that Moses prophesied to two million people that they were going to go into the promised land. It was a land flow of milk and honey and all that. Those people never did. Only two out of that did, Joshua, Caleb. The rest of them died in the desert. Did that make God a liar? Did that make the prophecy a lie? No, because it was contingent on what they did with it. What did they do with it? They did not believe the word of God. They believed the fear of those ten spies report of the enemies and the giants in the land. They, they, they got afraid, and so therefore they circled in the desert 38 more years, grand total of 40 years in the desert, and died there. And their kids got to walk in that prophetic word. So it's contingent on what you do with it. Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 118, Paul said to Timothy, his spiritual son and Lord, this I charge you, uh, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them... You may wage the good warfare. So Paul's telling Timothy, listen, he said, now the prophecies that were made concerning you, Timothy, you wage war with those prophecies. So it's like this. You get a prophetic word about financial blessing and breakthrough, and what you're experiencing is not that, then what do you do? Do you ball up in a fetal position and, and say God's a liar? No, you make war with your prophetic word. God, you prophesy. You, your word to me is this. And you just begin to, to pray that and declare that. Can you say amen? Uh, uh, it, it's not a ma- prophecy is not a magic wand. Uh, it's not a license to ignore or avoid other problems in your life. Uh, it's New Testament. It's not New Age. Right? It, 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 listen, prophecy often prepares you to go through something, to endure something. Just like I told you with Joseph, Joseph's prophetic dreams enabled him, the Bible says, to endure those hardships that he went through those 13 years. In Psalm 105, verse 17, Psalm 105, verse 17, it says what it says. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. It says next, verse 18, they hurt his feet with chains. He was laid in irons. Verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. See, it, it tried him. It, but, but what Joseph did is the reason Joseph could endure all that he was going through is he knew the final outcome is going to be the will of God for my life. It's like the Bible said. People said, well, Jesus went to the cross. Now listen carefully. No, he didn't. He went through the cross. The Bible says Jesus despised the cross, the shame despised it, but he endured the cross for the glory that was set before him. So Jesus could face all that he faced knowing that this ain't it. I'm going to go through that, but I've got to go through that to get to the glory and, I, and to, to, to purchase the salvation of mankind. And he endured the shame of it. He, he, he did, but his, his focus was not, I've got to get to the cross. His focus was, I've got to get back to the Father. 
So he endured the cross. And that's how we, that's, that's how prophecy is. Sometimes people don't understand prophetic word. In Acts 21, beginning in verse 8, Paul's there. God's using him mightily now. There's a prophet there, and his name is uh, Agabus. And Agabus, uh, in the Bible, takes Paul's belt, and he binds his own hands with it. In other words, he's doing a prophetic, I guess you could call it a demonstration. And he, he binds his hands. It says in verse 11, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet. And uh, this guy's really acting it out, right? And he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. Now, he's prophesying to Paul. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, here's Agabus. He is a prophet. He prophesies this word to the apostle Paul and demonstrates what's going to happen to Paul. Now, verse 12 said, now when, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul, pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, why are they saying don't go? Because of the prophet just prophesied what's going to happen to him. And, and then Paul looks at these guys and he says, now why, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? He's like, what are you doing this to me for? He said, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem in the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, so when we, he would not be persuaded, we see saying, and then we just said the will of the Lord be done. Now, what you got to understand with prophecy is you have the revelation. The revelation, you know, comes, uh, however that comes, through a person or and then you got the, then comes the interpretation of the revelation. You got to interpret the information, and then you got the last one is the application. What does that mean? How does this apply to to my life? Uh, anybody, you probably don't because you probably don't, you know. But anyway, many years ago, I met this guy. I met him actually several times. Great guy. Uh, he, he got involved with a lot of Morning Star Ministries. His name's Dr. Jack Deer. Anybody ever heard of Jack Deere? He's written many books. A lot of you have. How many of you have heard of Jack Deere? You know who I'm talking about? Man, so there's more of you than I thought. And so I was in a meeting in Jacksonville where Jack Deere was talking and teaching about prophetic. And he was a guy that was raised very, he, he taught uh, the, uh, theology at, uh, in, in Dallas at a Bible college. And he, he didn't believe in any of this kind of stuff. He didn't believe in tongues. He didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe any of this. And he would deride any student that ever even remotely said they believed in this stuff. And, and then God, he started a church there in Fort Worth, and then God sent this guy to come to his church to minister, and this guy just blowed him away because the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to operate and, uh, in a church that the, where the pastor said he didn't believe in it. But, you know, it's pretty cool of God. And, uh, and I've seen God do stuff like that. And I told you how I was in a meeting where I was in this Pentecostal church, and this little girl came, and she was a young, little girl. I say young. I'm getting old now, so I call everybody a little girl. But the, a young woman, young lady, sitting by herself, and, and she kind of sat at the end of the pew. Uh, this was a country church uh, out in the country. On, I actually had the dirt road to get to the church. I'd been there many times, run revivals for them. And I, I noticed this lady sitting there, and I, and I walked to the pulpit. pastor introduced me. I walked up to the pulpit my first night there to preach, and I walked to the pulpit, and God illuminated that lady to me and said, pray for her now. It's very unusual for me. And so, but I, it was so strong, and I just said, ma'am, can I pray for you? Would you mind if I prayed for you? And she, she's real, yes. And so I said, would you mind coming up here where I can pray for you? And so when she got out of her pew, and she's walking up front, just a nice little sweet lady, and in my heart I'm going, what is it, God? Please help a brother out kind of deal, you know? And because uh, I don't know, you know? And she walked down front, and I stepped down. And a lot of times with me, you got to be in my three-foot of personal space for my radar to go off. And when I stood in front of her, I heard, 
one word popped in my spirit, infirmity. And uh, I just knew that that meant sickness. There's, this woman's sick. There's something wrong. And, uh, and, and uh, so I, I just said, uh, ma'am, I believe the Lord has shown me that you have an infirmity. And I just want to pray for your healing. And I said, is that okay? And she said, yeah. And I just laid my hands on her and I just said, be healed in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this infirmity and command it to go in Jesus' name. She didn't fall down. She didn't scream. She didn't cry. She didn't jerk. She didn't do nothing. And ain't nothing wrong with all that if it's called. She just stood there. And, but see, some people don't think they're anointed if something don't happen. It's just weird. And so she went and sat back down. I came back to the pulpit, opened the Bible, read my text, preached the thing, and went on all that week and never saw her again and never thought no more about it. Two weeks later, I get a call from a Methodist pastor, and the Methodist pastor said, this is pastor so-and-so. If that's the Lord telling him, I'll call him back. I'm in the middle of the um, uh, <laughs> But this Methodist pastor identified himself. I never heard of him, never heard of his church. He said, I'm a Methodist pastor. He said, he said, Brother Young, we would love for you to come run a revival for us. I thought, this is a little unusual. I don't normally get, I love Methodist people, by the way. So, but I don't normally get Methodist people, pastors, to call me, particularly ones I don't know. And in my heart, I just, on the phone with this guy, I said, Lord, what, you know, and he, I felt God said, go, go, son. And so I accepted the meeting. Some weeks later, it's, I don't know, a month later, um, whatever it was, went there, didn't even know the pastor, came in, sat on the front row, had one of my elders with me. We were sitting there. A guy walked up, shook my hand, said, I'm Pastor so-and-so. We're glad to have you. Appreciate you coming, uh, running the revival for us this week, and we're excited about this week. Now, praise the Lord. Very traditional church, Methodist church, had the choir loft, sung out the burgundy hymnals, page 92, just talk Jesus, make everything all right. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Check me out and see if it ain't on page 92. It's on page 92 because I was raised on that. They sung the songs in the choir. Pastor took the service. He said, we're going to have a special from Sister So-and-So. She's going to sing a special. Piano's over here. She come, got over at the piano. And she said, I, I don't want y'all, you know, so she said, I, you know, just, you know uh, just listen to how, not how I sing, you know, they said, but the, uh, the words I sing. Well, I wish we could do that but we can't. So we're going to have to hear you how you sing around them words you finna say. But you know, that got, that was a real popular saying in church. Don't listen to how I sing, but what I sing. You know, okay. And so she said that, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, she looks familiar, but everybody looks familiar to me. And uh, she said, before I sing this song, I want to give a word of testimony. And she said, I was in service a few weeks ago, y'all all know that, and I went over to... Uh, to the Liberty Church of God where Brother Young was running revival. And y'all know that I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was going in uh, to have uh, biopsies and surgery. And, uh, and I just felt to go to that revival. She said, I went by myself. And she said, when I got there, he got up to preach and he called me out. And he said the word infirmity, that I had an infirmity, and he laid his hands and prayed for my healing. And so I went the next day to the doctor, and they carried me back and prepped me, and, and, they, and, they, and then they stopped everything and brought me out. And they said that there's nothing to do a biopsy on. You don't have any breast cancer. We don't see anything wrong in your body. And, uh, and she gave that testimony. 
And, uh, and then that's when the light came on for old Brother Young. I knew this is why I'm in this Methodist church. Because she came, this is, this is their member. This is their girl. And she came back and told everybody about the miracle that had happened to her through the prophetic word of the Lord. And so then the pastor didn't care if I was Methodist, Tangerine, Nazarene, Assembly of God, Church of God. He didn't care. He just says, I want to get this dude to come over here and see if we can do some more of this. And that's why I was in the Methodist church. And can I tell you, and I've told you this before, it was a great week of revival at that Methodist church. Them Methodists was acting like they were Pentecostal, charismatics even. I couldn't believe it. We was packed every night. The Lord was allowing me to do the prophetic uh, gifting in the, in the Methodist church. Listen, I, listen, I'm, I'm not making this up. I was in, a, in the Methodist church that I was in, that group actually had in their bylaws that if you speak in tongues, you have to relinquish your membership. It's in the bylaws of that church. Can you, I'm telling you, it's a fact. So on Wednesday night, I felt I was to pray for the senior pastor. And I called the senior pastor and I said, I just want to pray for you. When I went to lay hands on him, to my surprise, he fell backwards. Right there in his own church, he fell out. God didn't warn me that was going to happen. I'd have had a catcher. We, he, we didn't have no catcher. He hit the floor. And you know what he did? When he landed on his back in his church, real loud, he was praying in tongues. And I knew I was in trouble then. Because it says you got to relinquish your membership. Now, I don't got the pastor speaking in tongues. There's going to be trouble up in here. This man laid in the floor a while, spoke in tongues real loud. There wasn't no question what he was doing. He wasn't saying Suzuki, Honda, Kawasaki. He was doing tongues. It wasn't my fault. I wasn't speaking in tongues. He got up, and he said, uh, and I was standing there. He said, Brother Young, I want to say something. And well, he's the pastor. I handed him the mic. It's his deal. He turned around and faced his congregation. I'll never forget that now. He started weeping. He said, church, the first thing he said, he said, church, I need to repent to y'all. I need to ask y'all to forgive me as a pastor. He, and he was just weeping. He said, uh, I, I need to ask y'all to forgive me because I've not done with, this is just how he said it. He said, I've not done with the healing message what I should have done with it. He said, only a couple of people even here in here even know that he said, I've had a lot of health challenges of recent. He said, y'all know I'm bivocational. I work a full-time job. He said, I went to the doctor just a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that I got to quit one or the other. It's killing me. And I got to quit the church, quit my job. Uh, and he said, I've just been in a bad way. He said, I believe tonight the Lord has healed me when Brother Young prayed for me. And, uh, and he said that I should have done more with this message. He said, I should not have been ashamed of the Spirit of God. And, he just, you know. and so while he's talking and crying, the church starts crying. Now, people just spontaneously, without rehearsal, some of the older people that started with them, they just got up while their pastor's talking and walked the center aisle and come up there and hugged him while they was crying. I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that where everybody just starts hugging everybody. I can feel the Lord now on that. It's just, it's just like God melts hearts. And just people started hugging one another all over the church. I just went and sat down on the, on the uh, pews, on the uh, risers over there, just sat down. And I, to my amazement, got to watch God just melt the whole church together. And God didn't care that it had Methodists on it. And I mean that, no offense to Methodists, love the Methodist people. 
Charles Wesley and those dudes, man, that started it, them brothers was on fire. Them, them brothers would preach when people be up in the trees and they'd fall out the trees while them brothers preached. And it wasn't from being asleep. Power of God. Um, I just want to end with this and, and for you to be encouraged like what Crawford said to you today. Now, see, the problem with this, and Crawford told me yesterday, I gave him warning that this was, I was going to preach on it. He said, you know what he did, right? You know him. He said, now, if you preach on it, you know you got to do it. So, um, <laughs> line them up, glory to God. I, I uh, you know, I remember uh, Jack Deere was in that meeting in Jacksonville. He was talking about um, when he first started prophesying to people, you know, he just wasn't, you, you, you learn. And, and people expect prophecies to be perfect. Let me tell you something. Uh, and, and that's why it's not That's because the Bible says you judge prophecy you, you know you, you, you know how to eat around a T-bone right you know what part to eat and what part not to eat right and prophecy has to be judged because the word of the Lord may be perfect but it's coming through imperfect vessels and uh, so Jack was talking about he saw this lady actually was sitting on this side at one of the meetings we was in and he called her out and, and he asked her to stand up didn't bring her up front he just said man would you stand up and he said uh he said uh, what came to his heart, what popped in his mind was, uh, was blood pressure. And so he said, ma'am, would you stand up? And he said, uh, blood pressure has popped in my mind. He said, do you have high blood pressure? And she said, no. <laughs> and he said, uh, he didn't want, he said, well, do you ha do you, uh, uh, does anyone in your family have high blood pressure? And she said, no. Now, if you ain't keeping score, that's strike two. Uh, and then he's standing there, and now he's, he's starting to sweat bullets. That's why most people, like, they just won't fool with this. He said, uh, is anybody sitting in the area there by this woman that has high blood pressure? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. That's called strike three. You're out of there. Okay. And so she just sat back down, and he just reluctantly went on ministering. After the service, the lady came up to him and said, uh, Dr. Deer, I, I just want to tell you that, that you were right about the blood pressure, but it's not high blood pressure. It, my, my husband has low blood pressure. It's so low that he's been hospitalized many times, and in fact, he faints often because of it. And Jack's like, woman, why didn't you say that? You left me hanging out there. I cannot tell you how many times that's happened to me when the Lord's given me a name or something happened to me here just some months ago. Now, if you hear, dear sister, I'm not mad. But I called a lady's name. I, I was a person's name. Actually, it was a, anyway, and I knew God, I was sitting on the front row. I knew I was supposed to minister concerning that situation. And the lady came up after service and said, that's my blah, blah, and told me the name and all that. And then they want me to pray. I don't feel anointed to pray right then. I felt anointed back 20 minutes ago. But it's okay. We still pray. But sometimes, you know, you can't, and I guess the point of that story is don't make assumptions. Okay? I don't want you to be afraid to move in these gifts. Sometimes it's just something as simple as saying, you could be standing in line at the grocery store, and you just, that person is just so illuminating, you feel like you're just supposed to just pray for them or say a word to them. 
I remember a guy, and he wrote about it on Facebook. It still pops up on my memory. And uh, he was a guy that just came to our church, and, and, uh, and we went, actually took him to lunch. We went to the Western Sizzling, and we were sitting there at the Western Sizzling, and he was sitting across from me. And I really didn't know really beans about his life. I knew he'd been a drug addict, and that's about all I knew. And, uh, but it just an overwhelming feeling come on me of compassion for him. And God told me to tell him that, that don't, do not fear, son, but the relationship between you and your father shall be restored. And the day comes where God will put all that right. And my wife was sitting there, and my children were there with me. We were just eating lunch after church on Sunday, but I knew I had to say that. When I said that to him, he just burst into tears and got up and left the table and went to the parking lot. And I was like, man, <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean that to happen, you know. And he went, and, and of course, he came back in a little while, but he said he had to go to the parking lot, and he wrote all that on Facebook. He had to go to the parking lot and just cry it out because him and his dad at that point hated each other's guts. His dad wouldn't even you know, come to see him when he was in prison. And, uh, and he wrote about and said that God restored that relationship. And it was years later when he, when he did that. And, and, and it still pops up in my memories. And I've even shared it a couple of times, you know, because I want people to be encouraged. Man, there's people in your family that could hate your guts and you hate them. I hope it's not that way. But God can restore. Amen. And it ain't, it ain't over yet. Amen. Can you stand with me this morning? God bless you. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord at Grace Point today? Hallelujah. Amen. Me and Crawford are going to be back tonight. It's, no, I'm just. <laughs> but listen, you know, if, if God prompts me, somebody actually wrote me uh, about prophecy and, and they desired words from the Lord and, and it hadn't been happening even here. And, and yet they said that they know the Lord, you know, that the, that the pastor and the elders will obey God when, when that comes. And, but sometimes you can, be, you can be frustrating. And I've been there a bunch of times. It seemed like if I ever went to a service and I wanted the guy to call me out and God to speak something, it never happened. And I'm there straining like, God, get him to call for me. No, that didn't happen. And when you don't even expect it, you know, here comes God. I want to say this to you. You'll get it when you need it. God's a good daddy. He's a good papa. And if it ain't happened, it's just because you've got everything you need to continue on with the Lord. And if God needs to give you some word of encouragement or comfort, it's not, he's not withholding it because he's just trying to not do that. God will give you what you need. You have what you need. The Bible says you've received the fullness of God, the Godhead bodily in Christ. Uh, Colossians says you are complete in him. That's why when I wrote my, my book, I put one chapter, the myth of more. There, there, there's this myth that, we, God, you just need to give me more. There's, God said he's given you everything you'll ever need, and that's in Christ Jesus. You've got everything you need. Sometimes we just don't avail ourselves of what's been given to us, and it's really because we don't know about it. Or, you know, that's why Paul said you've got to stir up the gift of God that's within you. The gift of God is within you. And so, so uh, just be encouraged today. I don't know how you could not be. I love, we've done this for like eight or ten weeks now. It seems like every Sunday we've we got somebody giving a testimony of recent things that God's done in their life. And it's happening right here, and I'm so thankful for that. And I just want you to know that God's heart is. He loves you. He cares for you. He cares about what you're going through. And I'll tell you, he's familiar with it, okay? You ain't got to inform him of stuff he don't know. He knows it. And however that prophetic word comes, you know prophecy comes sometime when you're sitting in your uh, chair with a cup of coffee reading your Bible, and God can illuminate that word and it become a now word for you. 
That's as good as somebody calling you out. Okay, prophecy comes in a lot of different ways. It's not always through somebody ministering to you like, we, like we've done here. It can come in a lot of different ways. It can be a dream that will come to your heart. You do know all your dreams are not from God, right? You figured that out, right? Okay, as long as you know that. But there are times that God will invade your dreams and speak a word that will encourage you and bring you. If you wake up from your dream and you're terrified and fearful of tomorrow, let me go ahead and settle that. It's not from God. Okay, might be pizza. Might be the Discovery Channel right before you went to bed. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't from the Lord. If the Lord gives you a dream, it will be filled with hope for the future, and it will leave you comforted and encouraged and built up. Okay, so that uh, that just help you just eliminate a lot of dreams. I can't tell you that people send me dreams that is so clear to me starting to read them. This is straight from hell here, and they want me to give them an interpretation of it. My interpretation is hit delete on the dream. Forget it. It's called Fido. Fido. Not your doggy. Fido. F-I-D-O. Stands for forget it, drive on. Okay? Forget it. Drive on. Go on with God. Everything's going to be all right. Amen? Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name for they're blessed of the Lord and highly favored. I thank you for what you're doing in this house and in our lives, and we give you all the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go enjoy your day.